Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I want to welcome my buddy Kyle Joy to you. He married his high school sweetheart, Katie, and they have two beautiful daughters, Avery and Harper. And we became friends about three years ago. We saw an excerpt on Channel 10 about their story of Third Strand. So I called him, and uh, we had lunch, and the rest is kind of history as far as we're concerned. But it's, uh, we've been helping support their ministry for three years now. Um, <clears throat> it's one of the most unique ministries that you'll ever be a part of. I can promise you that. You're really going to enjoy the story. I look forward to it. want to welcome Kyle Joy to you. I did this to him in the first service. I'm going to do it again. Text message from Sean on Wednesday at 9.52. Hey, bud, send me some info on what you want me to say for your intro Sunday morning. Me back to him. If you could just focus on the fact that I'm a huge fan of the Texas Longhorns because they are far superior to the Sooners. <laughs> right back. That's a terrible idea. Uh, Sean and Lisa have been incredible supporters of, of the Third Strand ministry, but just friends and mentors for me personally uh, over the last three years. So that's how I was introduced. And then your pastor, uh, Jeff, and I met at the barbershop. <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, but we, we did meet a few, uh, uh, several months ago for the first time. And man, I just love this church. I love y'all's uh, passion for Christ. I love what y'all are doing in the community. Uh, I love what y'all do to just uh, show God to this city. And uh, y'all have done that through Third Strand that I'm gonna visit with y'all a little bit about here in a minute. What I learned in, in today's first service is that I can speak for a long time. Uh, the good news is that it's summer vacation, right? And nobody has anything to do this afternoon, right? Y'all have Traeger grills, so you've already plugged them in. You don't have to go check them. Uh, I want to start off, I want to jump right into this, and I, I'm going to read some scripture. We're going to start, we're going to, my scripture that I'm going to read is Acts 27. Uh, where we're headed is Acts 28. Acts 28 is the heart of what we do, uh, where I want to end up with you guys today. Acts 28 is, is the beach that you land on, but you gotta go through 27 to get to 28. And 27's the storm, and we've all experienced them. When a gentle wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they waited, weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. 
So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Have you ever been through a storm? You live in West Texas. This is like a question and answer part of this. Have you ever been in a storm? Okay, we're getting there. Y'all are like the 11 o'clock or the 1030 service. Y'all got to sleep in. Y'all like, I've already had your coffee, right? Uh, I'm talking about a, a real storm. Not the, not the West Texas thunderstorm that rolls in, rains, lightnings, thunders a little bit. I'm talking about the kind that I experienced two weeks ago at my house where it was like baseball-sized hail. Uh, my wife and I and my daughters sat down at the dinner table that night, and we have a big bay window open. My wife looked at me, and she said, hey, should we pull the pots of plants in to the garage? And me being the uh, husband, I said, nah. We'll play, we'll play it by ear. If it starts raining, we'll pull them in, right? Uh, we're in the process of replanting all of our flower beds now. And I had an adjuster come by this week. I'm getting a new roof, uh, new garage doors, a new deck, a new fence, and my truck is destroyed. These are the storms I'm talking about, the life changers, the ones that have a lasting impact. Uh, the ones that, that leave a trail of destruction that you have to uh, navigate. Uh, I think about this often. The night that my little sister passed away, it was a Saturday night. The next morning was a Sunday morning. It works like that, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I remember standing on the front porch the next Sunday morning, that, that following morning, and that, this is the feeling that I had, like in my gut. And I remember this to this day. I felt like we had just experienced like this, a storm, like a, a legit, like a, a physical storm. And I was, I was standing watching the sun rise on a Sunday morning in Lubbock, Texas. And that's what it felt like behind me in the house where we had just told my sister's daughter that her that her mom had passed away. And uh, that's what I felt like was that trail of destruction. Was, that's where we were. So have you ever experienced these storms? These are the storms like divorce, uh, unexpected pregnancy, losing your job, uh, bankruptcy, uh, any of these. These are the storms I'm talking about. These are storms that, 
They change your life, but they also illuminate a purpose. Uh, You can find purpose. You can find life purpose in these storms. So why do we experience these? Sometimes they're self-inflicted like Paul's. Uh, Without going into huge detail, Paul put himself in this storm. Paul appealed to Caesar. He had done nothing wrong, had been arrested, appeared before the king, and they were gonna let him go. He said, no, I I wanna appear in Rome. I wanna go to Rome. I wanna appear before Caesar. Paul put himself on this boat. Sometimes we don't have any control of the storm. I didn't have any control of my sister passing away. Irregardless of where the storm came from, what I believe with all my heart is that my God conquered sin and death. And therefore, even what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. And God uses these events, these storms, uh, for a purpose and to change lives. We're headed to 28, and we'll get there but I wanna touch on a few things out of 27. In 27, 13, it said, we sailed along the shoreline. Do you ever experience when, wind, when the winds begin to blow, do you find yourself skirting the shorelines, like close to safety? Uh, you, you don't wanna quite give up what you know is comfortable? Or do you long to go into the deep waters? Have a faith that longs for the deep waters. This is huge for me to say. Trust me, I can't swim. Legit, I can't swim. My daughter over here, she's a, she used to be a competitive swimmer. She's the swimmer of the family. My wife can swim. Even my youngest daughter can swim. Both of my dogs can swim. I can't swim. Uh, I'm also, I, I, currently I'm a district chief on the Amarillo Fire Department. Been with the fire department for 17 years. When I first started on the fire department, I was on the water rescue team. Uh, During water rescue training, one day we had to do like the legit, make sure you can save people's lives training. And uh, we went to the pool and you had to tread water for what I felt like was four hours. And you had to rescue swim somebody and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, after our training, the chief of of the rescue program pulled me aside and he, He's still one of my great friends to this day. But he pulled me aside and he said, son, if we make a water rescue, I want you to put two life jackets on. And then I want you to go sit in the fire truck. (laughs) I can't swim. Still, I long to get into the deep waters because I've seen what God does in the deep waters. That's where God changes lives. Acts 27, 17, this is interesting to me because I'm a firefighter. They passed ropes under the boat to hold it together. Do you ever plan? Do you ever make plans on your own? You hold it together. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna tie it together so that everything stays just the way it's supposed to be. I read a quote this week that a friend of mine posted, God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. Let God do it. God's gonna do it. Let him do it. Firefighters are pros at planning. That's what we do. That's where I was. 
when I experienced my storm with my sister, I was the guy that people came to for help. I was the guy that held our family together. I was the guy that held everything together until I was put in a position where I didn't have an answer. You will be in a storm where you don't have an answer. I promise. If you haven't been there yet, it's coming. If you've already been there, it's coming again. That's what's gonna happen. Don't be the planner. The ship that Paul was on, it was called an Alexandrian ship. Do you know what they do? I studied, so I know. Alexandrian ships, they transported grain from Egypt to Rome. That was their job. They, they took grain from Egypt to Rome. In the storm, they became so desperate that they discarded their cargo. They threw their purpose overboard to survive the waves. Don't be there. Put your purpose in God. Find your purpose in God so that you don't have to throw it away. You don't have to throw it overboard. This is one of my favorite parts, Acts 27, 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. In this story, the darkness is what ended everybody's hope. The, the cool thing about this, if you look back in Acts 9, 7 through 9, you'll find that Paul, before, persecuted the Christians. And then on a road, God appeared to Paul and changed his life. Does anybody know what happened to Paul on this road? He was blinded. Blinded, he couldn't see. He spent time in darkness. He, was, he became accustomed to the darkness and then saw what happens from the darkness before he was ever in this storm. My belief is God prepares you for storms. God uses storms to prepare, prepare you for the next storm. Paul was used to the, to the darkness. Paul, Paul, it was okay that it was dark. Paul knew that God was, had a greater plan for him. Sometimes storms are preparing you for another journey and even a greater purpose. In Acts 27, 23, God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. I read that and then I, I thought, wait a minute, let's back up to 27 verse one. It says, Paul was handed over. 27, 23 says, you weren't handed over, you weren't abandoned. I gave you to these people. I gave these people to you so that you could affect their lives. I put, this is God talking. I put you in this place for a reason. It's not what you thought in 27, one where Paul was handed into this purpose, it's actually God saying, I put you here for a purpose. There's a reason that you're here. Because of God's preparation in Paul and the authority he gave them, in Acts 26, 16, it says, this is when God appeared to Paul, but get up and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. God appointed him and God used him to affect people's lives. I'm gonna fast forward to the end of, of this part and I'm gonna give you a, a nail biter to hang on to. 
the storm ends just like your storm will end. Now, where you end up, bro, I'm a 40, I said 35, 36, 35. That was made five years ago. I'm 40 years old. And uh, I'm a firefighter. I like hunting. I like fishing. My wife will get mad at me for telling you, but I usually have a can of Copenhagen in my pocket. Like, I'm a West Texas guy. And my icebreaker is breast milk. So where you end up might not be where you expected to end up. That's what I'm telling you. Don't have this grand idea of, hey, this is, this is gonna be my platform because God will show you your platform. Trust me, trust me. I think, this is a side note, I think my sister had a little bit to do with that decision. Uh, and I think she's laughing today. But I wanna, so we're going to Acts 28. That's where we're gonna end up. But I think it's vitally important that you understand, recognize the difference between the storm and the shore. Between 27 and 28, the storm's what you endure. The shore is where you get up, you dust off, you recalculate, you recalibrate, and you re-engage. You get back in the fight, right? You can sit there on the shore for a second. I did. I got mad at God. One of my best friends is sitting right here, Chris Bunch. He's a pastor of mine at Hillside. Him and I and my other pastors talked for hours. They got tired. I think they kicked me out for a couple of times because I questioned everything that I ever knew about God. When my little sister died, the day that she brought her newborn baby home from the hospital with a seven-year-old girl asleep in the other room. Like, why does that happen? How does that happen? So yeah, you're going to end up on a shore. Take some time, gather your thoughts, figure out where you're out, but get back and get up and get in the fight. If you'll pull up my slideshow real quick, real quick. Third strand. Third strand, our mission today is uh, we provide donor, safe donor breast milk to healthy babies who have lost a mom, to babies whose moms are unable to breastfeed due to a serious life-threatening illness, and to adopted newborns. There's like two semicolons in there, right? Uh, our, our first mission was just focused on providing milk to babies who lose a mom. That's what we had experienced. That's the platform I felt like God gave me. God had different ideas, and we'll get to that here in a second. If you go to the next slide. Does anybody know what this sign's from? It says it. Lonesome Dove, the the most classic Western of all time. What does this have to do with what I'm talking about? Anybody, anything, nothing. At the very bottom, it may be hard for you to see because of where my podium is. Okay, I'm not a pastor. I didn't study Greek, Latin, any of that stuff. So I don't know really what this says and I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce it right, but I'm gonna try. Uva, uvam, vivindo, veria, and I like to say the worst, last word is feet because it makes me sound smarter. I don't know what it said. I saw it on Lonesome Dove's uh, sign, and so I was curious, and I looked it up. Next slide. We are changed by the lives around us. 
That was impactful for me because we are changed by the lives around us. The people, what I think about in, this, in Paul's storm in 27, is there are 276 in all of them on board. It tells us that. That means 275 people were changed by Paul's faith. Just in that situation, their lives were saved. They weren't just changed, their lives were saved by Paul's faith. Let's go to the next slide. This is my little sister. This is her in her wedding dress. Uh, she actually got married in May, had a baby in August, and passed away in September in 2016. Uh, like I said, she died on the day that she brought her newborn baby home from the hospital. We got thrown into this weird world. Uh, mom started showing up at the house with breast milk. Bro, that's weird. For me, it was weird. Uh, I was hungry. Like I was in that time where I was, hey, I hope food starts showing up. And I, had, so I saw mom coming up with a sack and I was thinking it was, we call them funeral cookies. But uh, it's those cookies everybody brings to the funeral. And I was thinking, that's what this is. She showed up says, here's, the breast, here's breast milk for the baby. I freaked out. I said, you need to go talk to my wife. And I went and talked to my brother-in-law and said, dude, I don't even know if this is legal, but this is what's going on. We ended up with about 40 gallons of breast milk. Uh, long story short, because of time, uh, we found that we couldn't use that milk because we didn't know anything about the moms who had gave it to us. Uh, what we learned is there's this huge deficiency in, in this area. Uh, go to the next slide. We started out with a mission of giving milk to babies who lost a mom. We, that was our plan. That was our rope that we tied around this ship. We're moving forward like this. Uh, the problem was we ended up with a lot of milk. We didn't have anybody to give it to. Nobody contacted us. I even got an office in Canyon on the square, and we, man, we had freezers, we had milk. There wasn't anything going, going on here. Nobody contacted us. We had moms calling us all the time. Hey, will you help this situation? Nope, that doesn't fit my plan. Will you help this situation? Nope, that doesn't fit my plan. One night, Andrea, if you can't tell by looking at her, she's the sweetest girl in the entire world. Her husband is just as sweet and lucky. Uh, Andrea called me and asked, and she told me her story. They were adopting, and I could hear the desperation in her voice. I want my baby to have this benefit, but I can't give it to him or to her. Uh, and something in that conversation just, just touched me. And after saying no, 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 to these, all these families, I finally just said yes, mainly so she would quit asking but that added a semicolon to our, to our mission. Now we're feeding these babies who lose a mom and we're feeding these adopted babies. Please go to the next slide. Then I met Reagan. Reagan's a sweet girl from uh, Austin. And Reagan had had a baby previous to me meeting her, several years previous. And she overproduced breast milk. And so her, the, the extra milk that she had, she donated to the local milk bank there in Austin. And then fast forward, she gets pregnant again. And 
during her second pregnancy, she finds out that she has stage four breast cancer and she's going to need a double mastectomy as soon as the baby's born. So she can't breastfeed. So she contacts the local milk bank there in Austin that she had donated over 2,000 ounces of milk to just a couple years ago and said, hey, I need help. I helped you, I need help. They asked, their question was, is your baby gonna be healthy? She said, yeah. They said, okay, well, you don't, you don't quite qualify for, for this milk. Now, we'll give you the opportunity to purchase that milk at $7 an ounce. Uh, and that's the low end. That's the low end. Uh, you can purchase whatever you need at seven bucks an ounce, but uh, good luck. So Reagan was gonna re- kind of resort to informal milk sharing, Facebook-style transactions. Dangerous, another topic for another conversation. But Reagan reached out to us and told me her story, and I, I just don't like it when there's injustices. And I, I heard her story, and I said, you know what, what's another semicolon? Cool, we're gonna feed babies who lose a mom, babies who are being adopted, and moms fighting cancer. That's it, that's the plan. Next slide. Tanja calls me. It's one of my favorite ladies in the entire world. Tanja is German, thick German accent. You can barely understand her. Tanja called me and she uh, explained to me her situation. She didn't have cancer, she wasn't adopting, nobody's dying, uh, but she had HIV. And she explained, I can't breastfeed my child with HIV. I want my child to be breastfed. I want them to have the benefits that are exclusively provided with, with breast milk, but I can't give it to him. Will you guys help me? Man, I struggled with this. I struggled. Um, because to me, this was a life choice. This, this, to me, this was, you put yourself in this situation, get yourself out. Like, this is a choice you made. And after just kind of talking to my wife and praying about it, I I thought, I'm gonna call and tell her that, but I'm gonna hear her out first. And the conversation that I had with Tanja, God just like worked my heart over. And I I cried. uh, And then I I cried after because of how ignorant and stereotyping, that's a word I was, not knowing her story. Her story told me, like what I was supposed to do. She, it, HIV was no decision of hers. It was a storm she was in that she wasn't, she wasn't responsible for. And so I heard this and so, yeah, hey, well, we can't add any more semicolons. I think that makes, I'm not an English professor, but there's like a compound sentence, some, I mean, run-on sentence, something. So uh, our mission is, is to feed babies who lose a mom Babies who, whose moms are unable to breastfeed because of a serious life-threatening illness and adopted newborns. Go to the next page. Next slide. Uh, we, had, we started feeding babies, man. We were feeding babies all over the state of Texas, and we were feeding them one at a time. And then this girl calls me, uh, Vivian, who uh, she said, hey, I'm having twins. I had a mis- double mastectomy. Heard about your organization where we're having twins. I was like, twins, that's twice the milk. When we provide milk to a baby, we provide 10 gallons per baby, okay? 10 gallons of milk. That's about 
12, 1,300 ounces per baby. That's, we can get in the science of that later, another discussion, but uh, that's what we need to get them. And we do it for free. We do it at zero cost to them. Uh, when we ship milk nationally, it costs on average somewhere between $600 and $1,000 every time we ship milk. We'll get to that in a second. We had fed a lot of one babies. We never fed two. I thought, let's try it. We ended up feeding. I'm, I, I'm the only person, me and Vivian, and Vivian's dad, I think, are the only person, people that are allowed to call them Cheech and Chong, but these are my two favorite twins. So we fed twins. Go to the next slide. And if we feed twins, we can feed triplets, I found out. Uh, Callie, her dad is a, a firefighter, a chief with me at the Emerald Fire Department, and we were blessed to get to feed her her triplets because she had MS and the uh, medications that she was taking precluded her from being able to breastfeed. Next page. So we fed all these babies all over the state of Texas. We were doing awesome. We were doing our thing. We were like pumping some milk out. Uh, No pun intended. Uh, Then Melissa calls me and she lives in Florida and says, hey, can you help us down here in Florida? I was like, man, that's gonna, that's gonna be tough. Like, we've done this for free. Man, a lot of the milk we were distributing, I was loading up in my car and driving it to Dallas, driving it to Austin, driving it here, driving it there. When we start getting out, outside of the state, we gotta look at shipping. We have to look at overnight shipping because we're dealing with something that has to stay frozen. We're just gonna start getting expensive here. Let me see what I can do. Start fundraising okay, this is, this is working out here. So we fed Melissa's baby, the first baby outside of the state of Texas that we fed. And then next slide. This, the purple states are where we have fed babies. Uh, last count, I think there's 39 of them up there and multiple states that we've fed babies, multiple babies in each state. Uh, for some reason, Virginia loves us. We fed a lot of babies in Virginia, don't know why, but we have. Uh, but this is, this is where we landed. Uh, this is moving to me personally because of all the discouragement that I experienced to get there. Uh, we had people that told us, you couldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you can't do this, it's impossible. And what I tell them is when God's on your team, the, we can color that map purple, no problem, not worried about it. Uh, like I said, every time we ship milk to any of these places, it costs us about a thousand bucks. We've distributed close to a million ounces of milk. We're the only organization in the United States that's done this successfully. Only organization that still does this. No family has paid a penny for milk. And it's because of people like the Cliftons, people like this church, people that, that believe in what we do and understand what we do. It's not about feeding babies for me. It's about changing lives, leading lives to Christ through our testimony and feeding babies while we do it. Like that's, that's what it's about. We tell the story and the testimony of every family that we serve because there's always somebody else going through the same storm that you just experienced. And they can find strength in how you navigated those waters. Next page. One of my favorite girls, three of these girls that I've introduced you to are now board members for Third Strand. This is Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay called me the day that she lost her newborn baby. She was crying. I just got a text from her before I came up. Uh, 
her daughter Stuart's watching me right now. Uh, the, I've just been become super close to this family because Lindsay called me and left a voicemail and explained that she had just lost her baby like that day and that she wanted to donate milk to Third Strand to help somebody else from her travesty. I listened to the voicemail. I thought, I'm not, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm not calling her. I, I'm not a counselor. I'm here to take milk, give milk, and do that kind of thing. Uh, it took me about 24 hours, 48 hours to call her. Finally called her, and I didn't know what to say, but God taught me in that situation that most of the time, you just gotta listen. That's what God puts you in those situations for, is just to listen. And so I listened to her. She said, hey, I wanna donate milk to you. I said, cool. She goes, I haven't done it. I haven't pumped it yet, but I just wanted to get approved. Just wanna let you know. I said, okay, call me when you're ready. Our typical donation to Third Strand milk-wise, it's anywhere. We have no minimum because of Lindsay, but uh, we get, I've gotten as much as 15,000 ounces from one mom. Uh, we, we may get 10,000 ounces, 2,000 ounces, 500 ounces. It doesn't, I, you never know. Uh, I have a lot of coolers in my garage just in case. So Lindsay calls me and says, hey, will you come pick my donation up? Sure. Throw a couple of coolers in the back of my truck, head to Lubbock. She hands me a bag and a note. And the bag was her donation. She said, read the note when you get in your car. Next picture, next slide, please. I'm gonna read it to you. This is the note. Dear Third Strand, please accept my most humble donation of 102 ounces in honor of my sweet daughter, Kerrigan Crosby Risby. Kerrigan was born sleeping at 39 weeks and four days on February 5th, 2018. As you can imagine, her death has been devastating, but pumping breast milk to donate has brought me great solace. It's given me a reason to take care of myself, a quiet and safe place to shed many tears, and a purpose to accomplish something much greater than myself with my darling girl. During my grief, I've been comforted to know that although all of the moments I had dreamt of with my own baby will never come to be, that maybe through my donation to another mama, we'll be able to have those moments with hers. My donation may appear small, but it was made with fierce love and fierce determination. I began pumping shortly after delivery and did so around the clock for one month. I pumped in the car, the bathroom, at the zoo, and before and after her funeral. My hope is to provide a small glimmer of hope in an otherwise all-consuming, gut-wrenching situation. Thank you for allowing me to be a donor mom, to honor my daughter in the best way I know how by helping others. She gave me 102 ounces. It was nothing. It was everything to her. Everything. It doesn't matter what you give. Whether it's to an organization, to the church, to life, to your wife, it doesn't matter the amount. It's, it's what did it mean to get, to get there? It's how much did it cost you? To Lindsay, 102 ounces was everything. In my standards, it was nothing but that doesn't change what it did for another family. Uh, Lindsay become one of my best friends. We talk often, nearly every day, at least once a week. She was gonna be here this week, except they went on, a, on vacation. She too is one of my board members. Go to the next page, please. Uh, we share uh, text messages back and forth all the time. This is kind of a song that, that, some verses that remind me of where she was, but go on to the next page. 
Uh, good news is, and I need to update this because she's already had the baby, but she got pregnant again. Uh, she has one daughter, Stuart, one of my best friends in Lubbock. I don't like very many people in Lubbock. Stuart's one of them. Uh, Lindsay, and, and they had a, a baby. And so go to the next page. Approximately 25 to 30% of the of third strand donor moms are moms who have lost a baby. So these moms, and Lindsay was the first, she introduced me to this. Uh, we have a program called the Kerrigan Program for named after her baby uh, that moms can donate uh, from a, a place of loss to affect another family. Third strand in milk is, we have distributed nearly, it's actually close to a million ounces of safe donor breast milk across the country. We remain the only organization in the United States to provide safe donor breast milk from screen mothers to families at zero cost. And our mission, like I said, is to provide safe donor breast milk to healthy nursing babies who have lost a mother, whose mothers are unable to breastfeed due to a serious life-threatening illness and to adopted newborns. Next page, please. These are just a few of the babies that we've gotten to feed. Next page. So back to our little statement here. Uva uvam vivendo varia feet. Go ahead. You have the power. You actually have the opportunity to change lives around you. Uh, you're put in a place for a reason. You will go through the storms. Next, next page. You will go through the storms. Next page. You'll end up somewhere you didn't expect to be. Paul ended up in 28 in Malta. Have you ever been to Malta? Anybody been to Malta? Come on, you've been there. You've been there. Have you been divorced? Have you been, uh, lost your job? Have you been uh, single and pregnant? Uh, have you not known where you're at and why you're there? You've been to Malta. That's where Paul ended up. Paul got there. The, you know, the funniest thing about this whole story to me is Paul gets there. Paul gets bit by a snake once he gets there. But he gets there, he dusts off, he gets to work. He starts working. That's the first, his first inclination is, hey, why am I here? I don't know where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. Let's get to work. I'm gonna build a fire. He gets bit by a snake. The funniest thing of this whole thing is, do you know who wrote uh, Acts? Anybody? Historians say Luke wrote Acts. Does anybody know what Luke did? He was a physician. The funniest thing in this whole thing is that Luke stood back. <laughs> He's writing all this stuff down. Dude gets bit. Have you ever been around? I don't know if there's any doctors in the house. Have you ever been around a doctor that just stood back and didn't help? Uh, that's, it was just interesting to me. But it shows me the faith that even Luke had because he knew Paul's purpose and Paul's mission. Uh, another thing that strikes me about where Paul lands, Paul, does, Paul gets bit by a snake. What's the first thing that people do? They point at him. They tell him, hey, this guy's going to, he's a murderer. How did, he, this guy's cursed. There's no way he's going to survive this. He's done. And then less than five verses later, they're calling him a God. Do you have people like that around you that point at you and say, you're gonna fail, you're not gonna survive this, 
and then you show them a little bit of God and they're, they change. You know what's horrible about that or horrible for that? Social media, Facebook. I think you can read this part of this, this, this verse from two perspectives, from Paul's perspective. Get bit, shake it off because you know where God is. Get back to work. You can read it from the other perspective too. The people who stood back and pointed. Don't be those people. That's my advice. Don't be those people. It's easy to like, share, comment. Don't do it. Because the storm that that person's going through, you have no clue. And you don't know where they're gonna end up because in a couple of minutes, you might be calling them a God like these people were calling Paul. So what does Paul do while he's there? I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. What does Paul do while he's there? Paul meets a dude named Publius, cool name, and then heals his dad and then heals an entire island. And then this Publius guy becomes converted to Christianity and they bas- he basically converts this entire island. The island's called Malta. I'm gonna fast track this for you. Long time later, I'm not a historian. I don't know the years. Could be hundreds, thousands, I don't know. I'm a firefighter. I put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. Uh, a group of knights called the, the Knights of St. John, they, uh, they get in this, they're fighting the Crusades. They're spreading Christianity. They're defending their ground for Christianity. And they meet an enemy who's using this weird new uh, weapon called fire. And they start throwing these fireballs at them. And these Knights of St. John, they survive this. They become notorious for battling this and saving their brothers and risking their lives. And they're bestowed uh, a medal of honor, kind of a shield of honor on their chest to, to, so that you can recognize them as the Knights of St. John. Go to the next page. Looks like that. And it's also the, it, it, I have a tattoo of it right there, but it's also, I wear it on my, sho- on my chest every day. Uh, what this did for me, I like things in boxes. I don't know, I just do. And when I read this and I was like, what? Why am I breast milk, me, firefighter? Like, I'm 40. I'm a dude, uh, like why? And then I, I read this and I read about Paul's journey and how he survived a storm and kept his faith and then he ends up in this place where he didn't expect to be for a reason that he never envisioned. Like this place is called Malta. What does that have anything to do with it? And this thing just, it just fit in my box. And so this is my story to everybody. Go to the next page, please. You will encounter storms, Uh, you will, it's inevitable. But when you do, if your faith and your purpose is founded in God, the place that you end up, your potential is limitless, limitless. People told me over it, they were the people standing around the fire saying, you're gonna fail in this new place that you're in. You don't know anything, I didn't. I didn't know anything about breast milk. And they looked at me and said, you're gonna fail. You don't know anything about this. You don't know where you're at. I had people say, uh, you're, you're doing more harm than good. You're wasting your time. It's impossible. This is unsustainable. How can you afford to be able to do this? I don't know. Let's just try it. That's my response. Let's, let's give it a go. With God on your side, your potential is limitless. Limitless. So I hope that you gained something from today.
I wanna thank this church. Y'all are awesome. I wanna thank Sean and Lisa uh, for introducing me to this church. Y'all have been uh, incredible in my life. This church has been incredible in my life and in our, our mission and our ministry. Like I said, our platform was to feed babies. Our purpose is to change lives, lead lives to Christ. That's what we do. So we will have some tables set up back, back in the back, and I would love to visit with you. I, have a, I was telling Sean, I have a thousand stories I could tell you, but I don't have that long. You pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for every opportunity that you give, give me and give us as your disciples. Uh, just use us to affect the lives around us. Use us to change the lives around us. Use us to, to lead others to Christ. God, we know that you're not just a God from 2,000 years ago. You're a God from today. And you're a God from, that will be here tomorrow. Uh, let us join together. Instead of battling each other, let us join together to love God, love you, and love others, and lead lives to Christ. It's in your name we pray, amen. Y'all thank Kyle and his family. You know, it's amazing what a yes can do. I heard someone say one time, give something for God to breathe on and then watch what he does. And so this morning, the invitation's gonna be real simple. It's gonna be us as sons and daughters just asking the Lord, so what's my role in this? And if it's not to partner with them this morning. What's your role in partnering with the Father in the circle of influence that you have? Because how many of you know the kingdom of heaven looks like something? If you needed to be reminded today, everything Kyle shared is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so that's what we get to do. That's what we get to represent. So I'm gonna just ask you to close your eyes just where you are. And I want us just to have a, a moment right here as the word has went out. His name is Jesus. Let him ask you the question. Or you ask him the question. God, what's my role now? I've heard your word. I've heard these testimonies. I've heard how this is changing lives. The image of God is being raised up so they can say yes to. Just ask him, God, what's my role? And just like you heard the testimony this morning, a family that said yes out of a tragedy into triumph that the kingdom would be advanced. Just say yes, whatever it is that God leads you to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.